Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the final episode of Input 2 for the 2019 season. I am your host, Emily Rubin, and with me today I have... Tanner Kenny And... Jeremy Rogers again. Hello, and thank you for being on the last podcast of the year forever. Is this your, is this your last podcast you're doing here, too? Yeah. Oh, wow. Unless someone else is like, Emily, fill in. So I think this is it for Emily. Whoa. I know everyone's wow. really upset you know i was on daily's final podcast too that she did for animation 18 i think you're just the, i'm uh, killing people <laughs> anytime you have tanner in a room <laughs> someone's career is being ended i'm sorry this is terrible but you know what is not terrible we're going to talk about the newest and greatest in the avengers series avengers endgame but only kind of because it would be super boring just to listen to us randy's talk about our thoughts on that movie at least I think so. So we're going to talk a little bit about how the superhero genre has evolved over time with a specific focus on Marvel. Because Marvel, while it's revered now, they weren't. They just weren't. They didn't do uh, the best job in the past. Um, I think it's fair to say that even DC kind of had a leg up on them for a while, at yeah. least in terms of what all was being produced. Yeah. Yeah, with like the uh, the the Batman films. Yeah. Like uh, with, oh, geez. Oh wow! I or forgot. Are George Clooney? Yeah, uh, not George Clooney. Um, Michael Keaton. Mike Michael Keaton. Yeah. I believe uh, the 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 older the older Batman films. Uh, those were pretty good, I think. Maybe except you know for the Bat credit card. Uh, I, I'm talking pre Batman and Robin. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Um, those are a big part of my childhood. So yeah, and then you have the Marvel movies, which were sometimes relegated to being directed and starring B. Mo- uh, B movie uh, aficionados like Reb Brown uh, <laughs> as that. Captain America, Thank you. a legend in two different Captain America films. Why? <laughs> we'll never know. But you know what? Before we can talk about like kind of how superhero movies have evolved, we should probably look at like what, why did superheroes even happen here in the states in the first place? So you know, it's kind of interesting because out of like the worst situations is usually what when like media starts to flourish and that is kind of what happened with superheroes. So during the Great Depression and then the early years of World War II, that's when we saw all the superheroes that we know and love, like the Phantom. I don't know if we really like know and love him, but you know what I mean. He, he was he was popular. That's he, known he known and loved. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Captain America, they all kind of came around at the same time. And According to a CNN article, Superheroes Rise in Tough Times, um, initially we had these superheroes that were kind of fighting, like, you know, your bank robbers and heists, but then World War II happened. And this is a quote from a person whose name I can't find. (laughs) And this is a quote from Jerry Robinson, who is actually the creator of The Joker and Robin, so I think he has some valid points to make on the subject. Um, He said, Hitler banned American comics, at least Superman and superheroes. He said they were Jewish. And just a side note, they were. Uh, Most of the creators of these comics were actually Jewish creators. But back to the quote, little did he know that the creators were actually Jewish. Hitler banned American comics except for one, Mickey Mouse, which was his favorite. Wow, what a shock. Why does this this line up? (laughs) Are you saying Disney was accepted by Hitler? I'm not saying that, but I am saying that Donald Duck, of course, as we know, (laughs) famously... Yeah, that's a cartoon we don't really talk about. Disney doesn't either. That was a classic. 
But before World War II, it was, again, it was more lighthearted. Um, so in the 1930s, the American dream had become an American nightmare. And I think comic books and superheroes in particular provided an escapist form of entertainment that allowed the American public to go into a fantasy world where all the ills of the world were righted by these larger-than-life heroes. And that is a quote by Aaron Clancy, who is a curator at the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles. And they just did a, or they did a exhibit on superheroes. So it's really interesting to see, like, just you don't expect like these like fun wacky superheroes to come during like you know nazis or like the depression but that's how it is that's how escapism works we don't want to deal with the actual problems so we like create these heroes that can deal with them because we really can't that explains so much of my life right now <laughs> like, just not wanting to deal with things and just finding other things uh, yeah, that's kind of the college experience. I like that we can equate the college experience to like World War Two and the Great Depression. <laughs> the Great De- I mean, yeah, it may not be great, but it's still the Depression. <laughs> Nowadays, we call it the Big Oof. Big <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Wop. But yeah, that's kind of your very brief, like how the superheroes got started. But let's move on to the movies and how those started to come around. Um, so most of this information comes from a Rolling Stone article from Avengers to X-Men, A Brief History of Superhero Movies. They do a really good job of kind of like doing a brief summary and overview of superhero movies. And just for, uh, to disclose, we're going to focus primarily on Marvel. Um, so I have highlighted some examples of DC and other kind of outliers, but, um, they kind of have more extended histories that we're not going to go into just because... You know, our end goal is to talk about Endgame here, so I don't really care about DC. I'm sorry. Even though Batman's my favorite. <laughs> and movie audiences don't care about DC now either. Yeah, and I'm not mm. sure we ever will unless they really, like, pick it up. I'm a big fan of Aquaman. Yeah, uh, Aquaman was mediocre and made a ton of money, and Shazam was really good and made no money at all. Doesn't that just summarize, like, everything? <laughs> I just want to see more Namor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, uh, sorry, uh, not to get sidetracked there, so we can just continue with not talking <laughs> about Moving on. <laughs> All right, so um, as I said before, everything, the superheroes came into being in like the late 30s, but we first kind of see them come around on screen in the 40s. So we have the adventures, uh, the adventures, the adventures of Captain Marvel in 1941, and then a five-chapter Batman serial in 1943, and then finally the Phantom, our favorite, our boy, um, he made his first big screen appearance in 1943. Uh, we kind of actually start to see the characters we actually know and love in Captain America, and he was the first Marvel character to have a film, which makes sense because, you know, Nazis and Captain America. God bless. And that happened in 1944, so it was, like, right at the bare end when we're really ramping up, like, yeah, America, patriotism. <laughs> and he really should just be called Captain Patriotism. But I guess that's too on the nose. Like, I'm, Captain America is it. Whatever. And then we see Superman get his own multi-chapter saga in 1948. So we're starting to see, like, the bare bones, like, superheroes come into place. These aren't very good. Um, I just want to throw that out. These are the the 40s, you know? They can't really do much with it. So we're going to skip ahead a few years, and we're going to go to the 70s, because that's when we first see Batman the movie come around, and then Richard Donner's Superman. And Superman is important because it was, like, one of the biggest productions of its time. 
Uh, and it spawned Superman 2 and then Superman 3 and all those, and they are all awful. Um, the first, what? They're terrible. What? Not good. You telling me that part where Superman rips off the Superman logo from his chest <laughs> and just like throws it at the bad guys I isn't cried. a classic? That's are, are you telling me that when he flew around the Earth so fast it sent it back in time, <laughs> that wasn't a classic moment? I mean, it was classic in a sense. I mean, we're talking about it. I mean, Not okay, good. but to be fair, look at what we just came from in terms of movies that we've that have just come out oh. in time travel. <laughs> Let's see how well that ages. Oh, he's throwing shade already. Oh, wow. We're getting it. <laughs> Man, we're going to get those angry comments. Put, glo- put the gloves back. Put the gloves back. We're not there All right. yet. All right. Putting them away. <laughs> You'll get your chance. And then in the 18, the 18s, <laughs> the 80s, we have Tim Burton's Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Um... I like Jack Nicholson. He's great. And that was released in 1989. And this is really important to mention because, like, Batman as a character is, you know, he's morally gray. But you, and we, we've we seen Batman before. Like, he had his comics and everything. But, like, this film was popular. And that was a surprise because, like, usually with our superheroes, we have, like, the, the like, chaotic good people that are, like, Superman and, you know, all our little friends over there, Captain America. But, you know, Batman, uh, he does some pretty awful things to some people. Yeah, except usually in the comics, he still doesn't kill people. But, of course, if you don't think Batman kills people, you're living in a fantasy land. Yeah. As we know. But yeah. even the, I feel even the villains in Batman are a lot more upped than in other series, but that might just be my opinion. But, so, yeah, we see audiences are starting to like that kind of grittiness that, you know, now we're kind of tired of. Uh, but Marvel during the 80s was not having a really good time. They did have a hit series in the 70s, and that was the Hulk. Um, the, but in the 80s... Was that the one with Andre the Giant as the Hulk? It might have been. I believe... is. Yeah. I know it was some kind of big guy, some kind of big wrestler. I don't know if it was Andre the Giant or someone else. There was a big guy. Lou Ferrigno. That was the, that was the Hulk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I interrupted you to talk about Lou no, Ferrigno. Like, <laughs> <laughs> always interrupt me to talk about that. <laughs> But with the movies that we had during the 80s, all right, here's a real solid lineup, friends. All right, we got Howard the Duck. Classic. 1986. The Punisher. Even better. 1989. And then our good friend, uh, Captain America in 1990. I'm saluting in studio right now. And I, I know you're probably thinking like, oh, Captain America, that's a great film. This is not, the you're not thinking. Of 1990. The, this is not the Captain America film. And I also don't think this is the Red Brown Captain America, no, which I is don't. also a classic. So, <laughs> yeah, Captain America, it can either be kind of fun to, like, uh, we have to we have to own up to that. Yeah, That's Captain to... America, and he's ours. And then we have the 90s, and then we get more Batman films because, you know, we learned that people like Batman. So we have Batman Returns, 1992, Batman Forever, 95, and my personal favorite, the undoubtable best of the best, Batman and Robin, 97. Wonderful film. <laughs> There were no flaws with that, especially not Mr. Freeze. Um, Okay, but Roger Ebert had a really good quote. He said, my prescription for the series remains unchanged. Scale down. We don't need to see two million on the screen every single minute. Give the foreground to the characters, not the special effects. Can we just get the not the special effects highlighted for every movie ever? Yeah, I thought this this was a relevant quote uh, when, uh, when 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 we added it here. Because I th- I can I thought about this with like the recent films, because you know some of them are special effects nightmares, Aquaman, <laughs> uh, and some of them aren't special effects nightmares because they're low budget, like the Deadpool movies or Shazam, 
And which movies are the ones that are more entertaining? Uh, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Yeah, we can knock it, but like we all remember it. We... <laughs> I can't forget. <laughs> I... It's in my nightmares. You know, Howard the Duck is my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> Those sex scenes really did impact me in Howard the Duck. And now I hope that y- that you all remember them during this podcast. That's all you can think about. And if you didn't know about it already, go to YouTube. Or don't. We had to suffer through this. (laughs) Or maybe just pretend that you didn't hear anything we said and live a happy life. But also during the 90s, um, we also kind of saw like the characters that weren't your top tier superheroes. We had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which became like a whole big thing on their own. But when they were first released, like they weren't. Uh, The Mask and uh, my boy, The Crow. (laughs) My sad boy, The Crow. I love how we're talking about this, like Howard the Duck was one of the top tier. Excuse me. Beforehand. Watch. This is what started the non-top tier. Are you saying that my boy, George Lucas, didn't make an A-plus film? (laughs) George Lucas only makes award-winning films. Yeah. Have you seen the prequels? Yeah, I love them. They're good. (laughs) <laughs> anyway yes. moving on uh, we also had in the year of our lord 1994 Fantastic Four um, which I think is peak Roger Corman legend Roger Corman absolute genius filmmaker writer and producer he only ma- he manages to turn low budget schlock into something that's wonderful now when you at say all, wonderful at all time I you know what Fantastic Four is terrible in every sense of the word like there's nothing redeemable about this film but it's so cheesy that it comes around like it's so terrible that it eventually becomes good again I will watch it whenever it's on <laughs> it's it's a good time. It's better than the 2004 version. Whoa. Yeah. Was that 2004? Mm. I think it was. I honestly don't know. I watched it so many times and I hate I can't believe it. But Marvel did have a bit of luck after Blade. And we're not talking the Blade sequels. We're talking Blade in 1998. And Blade became an unexpected hit. So Marvel was like, okay, all right, we're going to do this. Let's bring out the X-Men. So <laughs> that's kind of what they did. And in 2000s, we, after, like, the X-Men, we started with, you know, the X-Men. It's literally called X-Men uh, movie came out. We also got Spider-Man, which made $40 million. So they finally got their big break out of Spider-Man. And it's actually a good movie. So yeah. Sam Raimi. Sam, Sam Raimi, great director. And this Tobey is... Maguire, great Peter Parker. Yeah, he is. He's wonderful. You remember the games that came out? Mm, oh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2. Spider-Man 2 is unironically a good game. Yeah, I uh, I played it a lot with my cousins, so I mean, I like it. Great narration from Bruce Campbell in there. <laughs> you think your you kids are cool with this new Spider-Man game? Back in the day, we had a... Uh, Rescuing balloons. <laughs> delivering pizzas. Yeah. With the most iconic music in all of video games. I had the CD. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Someone gave it to me as a gift. But now we we kind of see Marvel shift from kind of like that lame studio, and now they're, the cinematic universe is starting to come together. And that is what we are going to go into, because that is what sets the stage for the Avengers, and then finally, Endgame. So Iron Man in 2018 is what really... 2008. Eight, I'm sorry, did I say 2018? Uh, 2008... And 2018 are basically the same year, so I don't even know why you're getting upset at me. Um, <laughs> it, it's what really sets off like the whole universe coming together. 
It did really well. Hit me with those numbers. How did Whoa. it do? Whoa, that would be a worldwide grossing of... Five hundred eighty-five million one hundred seventy-four thousand two hundred twenty-two dollars on a production budget of one hundred forty million, roughly. And that's not—I don't believe that includes uh, box office mojo doesn't include marketing. Mm-hmm. So that's right. probably at like because for, for this film, it's probably more of like an extra sixty sixty mil uh, sixty mil maybe for marketing. So maybe a hundred mil. Yeah. Uh, typically, from what I understand with my box office research, is I just double production for marketing, because that's like a good rough estimate. But some films don't have marketing, and some films do. I figure the Marvel films now have more marketing than they used to, though. Yeah. Yeah. So Tanner, why don't you hit me with some reviews? That All right. Are yeah. Well, these are reviews of the film at the time that I found were very interesting, because these are reviews where nobody really knew that there was a whole cinematic universe planned by Kevin Fago. Uh, Yeah, we've got a a positive review here uh, that says, It's an exemplary comic book fantasia. There's plenty of CGI to go around here, too. But Favreau Favreau. Favreau uses it, for the most part, to enhance rather than supplant the movie's physical dimension. Uh, Scott Foundas of LA Weekly. And a negative review, uh, which sort of goes against that, is... uh, from Anne Hornday of the Washington Post saying, toggling between Stark's impish goatee and Iron Man's full metal body condom and amid so many generic fireballs, kill shots, and ear-splitting thumps, bumps, and crunches, the film finally collapses under its own weight. You know, I, I recently rewatched the Iron Man movies and they're not very good. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> yeah, I know uh, Matt, yeah. He 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 rewatched the first Iron Man. Did he? Yeah, he said he rewatched it with uh, Michael Robb, and he was like, "We had to turn it off halfway through. It's terrible. It's not a good movie." Yeah, I, they're not well structured. Yeah, an interesting tidbit about the first Iron Man movie: uh, they give away a crucial plot element to anyone who spoke Urdu, which is the language spoken by the you know the terrorist extorters in the movie, because they play a video from them that gives away the plot of the movie and so for an entire portion of the film going audience the entire twist of the end just got spoiled right in the middle i thought that was kind of interesting it's bold (laughs) stylistically bold (laughs) it is a bold boy (laughs) um yeah and then we have in 2012 the avengers yeah this is the end of phase one and phase one included such classic films as the hulk thor one with natalie portman our favorite uh, and mm. Captain America was okay. It was okay. Captain America was okay. Captain Winter Soldier's better. Yeah, I believe Iron Man 2 was also in phase one. I do not remember what I was looking when at. When did 3 come out? Uh, 3 was in three was bef- before Guardians of the Galaxy. That was yeah. in 2014, I believe. So it would be phase one. Uh, Possibly. Phase, phase 2. I, I have no idea how the phases work. I'm Don't o- listen to us. <laughs> I'm only guessing ba- like where the phases end based on the Avengers movie. Okay. Whenever the Avengers movies are. And I'm pro- pretty sure that's wrong. I think phase four is either... I believe phase four is starting with uh, Far From Home, which whatever. I, I know nothing. I know nothing about Marvel movies. Uh, full disclosure. So phase one... Uh, ended with the Avengers, a massive cinematic event, uh, the first of many, if you believe all the marketing, which says that every film is a massive cinematic event now. Wowee. Well, you know, they're not wrong. <laughs> event 
does not mean good or bad. Okay, so I did some research on the fly here, and Phase 1 consists of Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and The Avengers. Wow, okay. I was right. You were good. I was right. Our Tanner Kinney. I'm shocked. My research actually wasn't wrong. <laughs> well, The Avengers, is it a surprise to say that it did overwhelmingly well? No. No. No, no. it's not at all. Hit me with those numbers. Oh, no. Please don't. <laughs> Full disclosure, none of us here can read numbers really well. Tanner might No, I see. can do that, but I was on another page. Dang it, Jerry. Uh, all right, here, all right. I'll, here, I'll, yeah, all right, you can read the numbers. You can read the numbers. Okay, so phase one ended with the Avengers, which had a worldwide grossing profit of $1 billion, $518,812,988. If someone had just bought one more 3D ticket. <laughs> One more. We would have a round number, please. And this is with a production budget of, of course, $22 million, uh, $2,220 million. There it is. There's the number. There we go. Why, I don't know why I read that number instead of you. <laughs> it's all right. We're all... It's all good. We're avenging. This is the we're talking about the film where everyone comes together. Yeah, and and probably double that for marketing because this is the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we have say forty four hundred and forty million, and that still means there was a billion dollars in profit. A billion. That's a big number. <laughs> yeah, this was massive. <laughs> yeah, I remember kids in high school back when this came out who were like, yeah, let's all go see it together. And I definitely went to the first one of those, and then they kept going back. And I was like, oh, my God, one was more than enough. Yeah, yeah. We, that did happen. There were, like, groups that just kept going back. I'm yeah. like, tickets are $15. Yeah, I saw this movie, I believe, three times in theaters. Oh, my gosh. Uh because, uh, like, you know, I, I was definitely younger then in uh, 2012. That was a while ago. Uh, and <laughs> don't look at me like that. Uh, yeah, um, I went there three times. The first time was with my brothers, and we saw it, like, opening weekend. That was the first time we have see- we saw a film opening weekend that I remember uh, without parent- parental supervision. Don't know how they approved that. And it was, it was, it was very different. It was, it was uh, something I hadn't experienced before. It was, I would say it's magical, but that was also when I was a small child and I made bad life choices then. <laughs> uh, and then I saw it again with my dad and then we all saw it together a third time uh, after that. But what's interesting is that when we rewatched it, like when it came out on DVD, our, our mom wanted to see it. She hadn't seen it before and we, re- we rewatched it. And this was like several months later and that film even within the few months that passed, aged horribly. Yeah. It is terrible. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not the age that did it. I I mean, part of it is Joss Whedon, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought it was okay. I mean, like, it's... I guess this is the point where I have to disclose that I'm really not into superhero movies that much, with the exception of me loving Batman. Um... But even this film, when I, I remember first seeing it, I just, I was, found myself bored. Um, but I also understand this is not a movie made for me. But even, like, the, this is a movie that I don't appreciate. I've seen the other one. Like, 
I said the recent Endgame. I was like, okay, this is a good movie. Going back to like the Avengers, I don't. I'm not sure it is. It's not. It's really not a good movie. No, like, huge and this is pacing problems in the, the first act. Yeah, this isn't just like being contrarian. I mean, I I love to be contrarian, of course, because that makes me a more interesting person. Oh, but <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh huh. It was secretly not a joke. <laughs> but no, with with this movie, it's like. The pacing of it is really off, and not just in the opening act, but everything up until the final fight scene is a drag. Or it's either a drag or it moves way too fast because they're introducing so many characters and they all have to get in their one-liners and their screen time. And for some reason, we focus way too much on the backside of Scarlett Johansson, Joss Whedon. But Are you saying Joss Whedon? Our boy. He's a professional hypocrite? (laughs) Yes. I've been saying this for a while now. Well, man. I mean, at least there weren't shots of her feet. No, that's coming in. That was in Justice League, or at least the original script for Justice League. (laughs) Joss Whedon, our boy. Thank you, Joss Whedon. Our boy. No, uh, so I'd actually like to read a couple of reviews from the time for for the Avengers. Uh, First, we have, again, Anne Hornday from the Washington Post with a more positive review. Interestingly enough, when I was looking through some of the reviews, just as a side note, uh, aside from Iron Man, she gave pretty much mostly positive reviews. Right. For the for the films like after Iron Man, or at least they were fresh on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter. She got well, compromised, guys. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that she got compromised. They got her because her negative review of Iron Man also didn't exist when I went to go find the original version of it. Whoa, <laughs> uh, whatever that means. Uh, so yeah, this this is a quote from her. Uh, the performances are so well-pitched in the Avengers, meshing, meshing with such vividness and ease, that it's tempting to overpraise the good but not great movie that surrounds them. And I think that's pretty apt. A pretty apt, yeah. like, at the time, you see all these great performances, and you're like, yeah, this is a good movie, and then you look at it again, and you're like, ooh, wait a minute. You look at the, all, the, all the big pieces, and it's just kind of a mess. And here's a negative review that says, The Avengers has a knockout final 30 minutes, all gee whiz, crash and bang, and eye candy that makes grand use of 3D and IMAX and all the other toys. But the Transformers movies did that too. That is such a good, like, sign off. Sorry. Yeah, and that is from Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald. That is, I love that description because, like, when you think about it, like, the thing that we all remember about the Avengers is like, yeah, fighting, woo, big budget, and like, but so did freaking our boy over there doing Michael Bay or boy Michael Bay yeah I feel like the best like cinematic analog to the Avengers is like Avatar <laughs> James Cameron's Avatar it's a lot of really nice imagery but like it's all look hollow. back at the writing look back at the characterizations and just be like I, I guess that's serviceable I for one loved po- Pocahontas that's just me boo <laughs> Boo, lazy critique. I know it is. <laughs> no, apt critique, lazy writing. <laughs> but guess what happened after the Avengers? There are way trash. too many more movies. Also trash. Phase two was mostly terrible. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but then we have yeah, what, what Winter was... Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. And then... Age of Ultron. Yeah, but what so other phase a... two movies were there, Jeremy? Okay, so we have Iron Man 3, um, mm. Mm. <laughs> Thor the Dark World, uh, uh. Captain American Winter Soldier, Ooh. Guardians of the Galaxy, 
Avengers Age of Ultron, and then Ant-Man. Oh, right. Ant-Man did end phase two for reasons unknown. I completely forgot Ant-Man existed until last night. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I even leaned over at Jeremy. I was like, who's that? <laughs> it's Paul Rudd. He's in. I forgot. <laughs> there he is. It's Celery Man. <laughs> <laughs> I really forgot he existed. So we have a few good ones. Yeah, specifically, uh, guard. Um, most Winter Soldier is actually a good movie. It's a really good spy thriller. Uh, I will stand by that. That is probably my favorite Marvel movie, and still is, even after Endgame. Uh, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, which I remember very fondly. We even have a DVD copy of it that I don't know how we ob- obtained it. To be honest, and I'm not going to talk about that on this one. <laughs> Uh, my my dad just had brought it home one day. I don't ask questions, but it was a good movie. Uh, I remember enjoying it, but of course, after watching Guardians two and hating every single minute of it, I was like, "Wait, was the first one terrible?" But you know, that's beside the point because Age of Ultron ruined everything even more. Why? Why do you say that, Tanner? Mm, well, it had uh, all of the problems that were in the first Avengers were exacerbated by Age of Ultron. We'll just say. At least I'll just say. I don't know if we all agree with that. <laughs> I don't want to speak for both of you. No, please go ahead. Do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Age of Ultron is a mess. It is a bloated, confusing, poorly written, just self-destructive mess with some terrible character choices and character arcs and a complete waste of Quicksilver, one of my favorite Marvel characters. <laughs> but that's beside the point. The real point is that Age of Ultron made 1,405,403,694 dollars. Oh, on a production budget of 250 million. Double that for marketing, it's around 500 million. So this still made around a billion dollars in profit. But I think it's important to note this had a bigger budget than the first Avengers and it got less. Yeah. Even though it still made a ton of money. Yeah, I think people liked Avengers more. Yeah, and I mean, I, I only I only saw this movie twice as opposed to three times. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> and the, and they lost them. I don't know. The beginning of Phase Two, really, after not loving the Avengers when it first came out, seeing Iron Man three just oh, on top of Iron Man two that came before the Avengers just was not good incentive to go see Age of Ultron. Th- Thor: The Dark World made me sick, like to my stomach. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm going to go out on a whim and say most of anything with Thor makes me feel sick. Ragnarok was, yeah. Well, I like Ragnarok. Nah, you, you feel free to like <laughs> Yeah, well, we could talk about that later, maybe. But <laughs> Once we get to phase three. <laughs> Once we get to phase three, we're still on phase two. Yeah, uh, so if you don't mind me reading a couple go of for reviews it. for Age of Ultron to see, like, if these, uh, how what these say. Uh, here is a, I believe this is a pot. Um, I don't remember which one of these is the positive, which one of these is the negative. I'll find out after I read them. Uh, this this is a quote from Joe Williams of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, Age of Ultron has self-aware laughs, grandiose themes, and the best effects that money can buy. But at this point, it will take true vision to plot the up-teen, the upteen sequels without getting trapped in a time loop. I thought that was funny because Endgame has time travel in it. <laughs> I'm hilarious. 
And here's, I believe this was the negative. Oh, yeah, this was like a one out of five. Oh, my God. Uh, Good. <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron is supercharged and lifeless, frenetic and stone cold dead. A barrage of action scenes that look fake, yet make you wonder if fake is the new real. Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle. I really want to, like, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle right now just for this review. I think we need to ask the real question, is Mick okay? You don't get to talk about Disney like that. <laughs> like we need to check up on this guy. He no longer he writes exclusively articles like fifty things you didn't notice in Avengers <laughs> Endgame. <Got downgraded. laughs> Is that an article you're writing? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you think I would write about this tripe? <laughs> Didn't you write about Pawn Stars? I sure did write about Pawn Stars because there's nothing else available. And doesn't that say something about Endgame? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but, I mean, aside from the, the best part about Age of Ultron is the story I can tell with it for how I went to go see it the first time, which might be a little too long to share here and a little too irrelevant. But... That story is better than age is funnier than Age of Ultron. It why did they do that with Hulk and Black Widow? I just I'm still peeved about it. I was confused <laughs> because even I'm switched to Endgame for a minute, like there's no interaction between the two. Yeah. Like at all. Well Yeah, we get some attempted like actual character interaction in Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War, like when they first meet up again, that he's like Hey, Natasha. And she just, like, looks at him, and that's the end of that. <laughs> Wonderful character interaction. I mean, in Endgame, Hulk just kind of throws a bench, and that's all the emotional effort that gets put into their He's relationship. Hulk, Hulk, does, Hulk has never done anything important for the Avengers. I'm sorry, guys. Whoa, Mark Ruffalo has had a hard time. You take that back. I love Mark Ruffalo. I don't Ruffalo. see the Hulk. Okay, I just the see end Mark of, Ruffalo. The end of Avengers 1... The Hulk was fun, and he was fine. Yeah. Hulk smash in the middle of New York. Yeah, that w- I mean, that was great. The Hulk is just like a monster of destruction, and they don't let him destroy anything. That's true. What's wrong with you people? He's really boring. Like Compared to other characters, he's just kind of there. It's like they thought, wow, this one-dimensional rage monster will be hard to write in a compelling way. What if we just make it so that he can't be a rage monster? To be fair, to be fair, that's in the comics. That's Becky. (laughs) Professor Hulk is a thing in the comics. It's very popular. You should have all known it. I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce our fourth guest. (laughs) (laughs) This is Bite Becky. You bite Becky. You can Uh, catch her at a... a, a, (laughs) She's at How It's Played. (laughs) Bite Becky, the voice used for all the things you hate to hear on the internet. (laughs) At least the voice I hear when I hear terrible takes on the internet. <laughs> well, let's switch over to 2018 Infinity War. Yeah, four years have passed, and so many TV shows, and so many movies. What is in Phase 3 leading up to Infinity War, Jeremy? All right, leading up to Infinity War, we have Captain America Civil War, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Thor, Ragnarok, hmm. and Black Panther. Hmm. I, I liked Black Panther and Homecoming. I, I, I think li- those were definitely those are probably my two favorite Marvel movies. Yeah, Homecoming is super solid. Black Panther is pretty solid, and I really love Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I think it's a very interesting film, if a little goofy. 
Having seen like what we do in the shadows, which was also directed by Taika Waititi, I just feel like, like with so many of the Marvel movies, when you get these funny directors, they just it feels like they don't have the room to actually be funny and to like do what makes them special. Yeah, like they get some of their elements in. Oh geez, like some of their elements that they bring in from their normal direction, uh, you know, because Thor Ragnarok has a lot of colors. It's a very colorful film. It's a very visually stylish, at the very least. Well, I mean, I think Disney learned their lesson after what they did to Ant-Man. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest at this point. Like, all these movies look the exact same to me. Like, I I expect them to look really great at this point. So, like, it, and that doesn't say there's not well, some, like, style and everything and, in each and, one. And, I mean, part of it is, like... You notice like a shift not only in tone but in how the movies are directed after Guardians One. Yeah. Uh they start to all become more colorful and with a lot of quips and pop songs. And it's not just the Marvel movies, it's also the DC films. <laughs> Some of them. Suicide Squad. You mean the best superhero movie? Award winning. Award yeah, that is an award winning. Academy award winning film. We can't even knock it. Much like I am an award-winning journalist. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and we're both, Jeremy yeah, and I are- the same award. Jeremy so. and I are award-winning podcasters. Uh, first place. <laughs> yeah, but this is an award-winning publication. So I guess we can't really- We are it. as good as Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely how this works, guys. <laughs> All right. Infinity how, War. How did Infinity War do? So, Infinity War took home a whopping two billion dollars, forty-eight million three hundred fifty-nine thousand seven hundred fifty-four dollars total. And its production budget is still unknown. Although I believe when I did research on this for an article last year, I believe the it was like estimated around a billion for like combined marketing and production. Wow. It was a one of the most expensive films, if not the most expensive film of last year. I could believe it. Yeah. And you know, like before that, it was um it it was uh Civil War that was the most expensive Marvel film. And that rivaled Batman v Superman for the exact same amount that it cost to make those two films. And Batman v Superman made no money while Civil War made all the money in the world. But so, the real cost was just how much time this has taken from us. <laughs> Ten, 11 years. That's 11. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, but uh with Infinity War, personally, I think it's I think it's a fine film. Uh, it's definitely one of the more interesting of the Marvel movies in terms of like base structure. Yeah, like I appreciate. Yeah, cuz uh and I I had this discussion with a couple of my friends cuz the thing that's interesting about Infinity War is that the other Avengers films are ensemble pieces with a ton of characters and everything that the story has to revolve around. And Infinity War feels less like that because it's kind of Thanos's story. It's yeah. it's not it, the other characters are there, like, trying to stop him, but maybe they're trying to stop Thanos. Yeah. You know, he's the protagonist. Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, uh, snaps for that opinion. <laughs> what a hot take. Speaking of, speaking of hot takes, let's look at some reviews of Infinity War. All right, not doing that again. I'm sorry. Bring back Becky. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> 
I always lead with a wow for that voice, but it's okay. Uh, so here are a couple of reviews. Um, the Marvel. This was a five out of five review, I believe, for Infinity War. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's newest entry is its biggest, most ambitious piece of storytelling in the studio's ten years of existence. And the minute you exit the theater, you'll be lining up at the box office to buy another ticket. It's that good. And that is uh, from Mark Daniel of the Toronto Sun. And a negative review. Uh, I don't remember the score this had, but this review from Adam Graham of Detroit News says, It's too much. Too many characters, too much action, too much everything. It's a superhero surplus with too many heroes and not enough screen. It's Infinity Overload. I love that name, Infinity Overload. That's our next word. <laughs> that's 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 what Endgame should have been called. Infinity Overload. Uh, I have to agree. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not saying it's not a good film, but like, again, I'm not like a Marvel fan particularly. So like, from an outside perspective, it is just it feels like they're all just being thrown at you, and it's hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I I I believe at the time when we saw it, when we did the bite at the movies for it, which is cursed. Um. Uh, don't watch it. Don't watch that one. It's cursed. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember saying, like, I had troubles with the pacing, like, because it switched between too many characters at too many times. Even if it is, you know, Thanos' story, it still has problems jumping between some pointless storylines. Uh, Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy, pretty pointless. I mean, they're there because they're a popular characters, but they're not... Yeah. No one no one really that their their story wasn't that important in the grand scheme of things. I mean, other than, you know, that Thanos had some good scenes with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like where where he dramatically forces uh Peter Quill to shoot his girlfriend, except it's not real. It's it's bubbles and Thanos just laughs at him. That was good. <laughs> Anything with Thanos was good in that film. Everything else was terrible. Hey. That was an exaggeration. I heard you kids like Thanos. You know what movie has Thanos? What 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 Fortnite? One? Which is actually included in and in, 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if before, We've done it. Before we dive into Endgame, uh if I had said to I, I said this to my friend, uh he messaged me wanting Endgame spoilers, and I was like, Thor gets fat. And plays Fortnite with Korg. <laughs> I said that exact line and he didn't believe me. And then he went to go see the film. And then he hated me. For reasons other than the normal ones. It's almost unbelievable. <laughs> like it sounds like a bad joke. <laughs> it's almost like it is a bad joke. <laughs> oh, oh. That's sad. But God. yeah, let's get into Endgame. The 182 minute magnum opus, I guess. It, it's a conclusion, so we'll call it the magnum opus. Directed by Anthony and Joe Russo and written by Chris, I was about to say Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. So, rating wise, I don't think anyone expected it to get less than like, you know, 90. It has a 96 yeah. currently critical mm-hmm. score and a 93% audience score currently. This just came out. It's gonna do some fluctuating, but yeah, it'll it'll probably go down as more people see it, and they're like, and they're like, wow, I just sat there for three hours. That was interesting. Wow, (laughs) it's like they got two directors on, but didn't tell them that they needed to make it the length of one movie. Did you guys? I know, Jeremy. We saw it together. You didn't have to. I had to leave to go to the bathroom. Did you have to get up? Uh, no. Uh, I am I am strong world from years of playing League of Legends. Uh, I'm probably doing <laughs> terrible things to my body. 
<laughs> I'm doing horrible things to my body, but I can sit through a three-hour film without having to get up to use the bathroom. Well, here we go. <laughs> Whatever that means for me. So I actually have two reviews, and here's a positive one by Dana Stevens from Slate, and she says... Endgame consists almost entirely of the downtime scenes that were always secretly everyone's favorite parts of these movies anyway. And I think what she's trying to get at is pretty valid. Like, people come here for these characters. Um, But I also want to highlight it because to some extent I disagree because I feel like most people come here to watch superheroes beat the crap out of each other more so than they want to see them, like, fleshed out on screen. Because were they fleshed out? I have to ask you all. No, they weren't. Were most of them even on screen for any appreciable amount of time? <laughs> no. No. And then the negative review that I wanted to highlight is by Anthony Lane from The New Yorker. And he says, you can easily duck out during the middle hour, do some shopping and slip back into your seat for the climax. You won't have missed a thing. That is a true fact. And I said <laughs> this during the bite at the movie stream. I don't know. Uh, I know you were watching at some point sure for was. it. I don't think I was there during that point. Yeah, uh, I had mentioned when I was giving my feedback on it, I was like, I there are some parts of this movie like they say that you you if you don't get out of your seat you're not you don't want to miss a thing and I was like that whole sequence with Hawkeye yeah that that whole sequence with Nebula all of that pointless I got up. If- uh, what was it? it was when Nebula was going to get the star. Uh, the soul stone. The soul. Uh, no, 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 no. She no, was. No, no. She was on the power stone. It was yeah. like when she first got knocked out for like her other nebula having yeah. a vision. I didn't yeah. miss anything. No. <laughs> yeah, you, there. Like that whole sequence. Like I know them getting back the infinity stones f- by going back in time. Uh, is the bulk of the movie, or at mm-hmm. least part of the bulk of the movie. All of that just felt bad. What? It felt like I don't want to say bad because I really did enjoy Endgame, but it it just. Looking back, look, looking at it again, it's like some of it was really tacked on, and some of it was really cheesy. Like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. Are you trying to tell me that Tony Stark giving advice to his father about how to parent him effectively was like not good? Yes. You're trying to tell me that? I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that they they went back in time so they could have like all the they could show all these characters again they're like remember do you remember agent carter i sure don't (laughs) do you remember hank pym i sure don't yeah on top of all the times captain america pulls out his compass with a picture of agent carter they're just like oh well i mean we know you we've shown this to you at multiple intervals throughout this film but don't you want to see how that actress looks right now? Wow, there <laughs> she is. It's Agent Carter, all right. Well, despite your negative opinions. Sorry, we're not paid by Disney. The check hasn't cleared yet. <laughs> it's well, okay. I also have negative opinions I'll get into. This actually did amazingly well at the box office. I say that like it's a surprise, but it, it's not to anybody. Again, this is going to fluctuate a little bit because it's only been out for like a day. But it has an estimated $345 million from 4,662 North American locations and an estimated $487 million overseas for a global total of 643.7 million and that is from variety and And is that like uh for its lifespan or is that just for like opening lifespan lifespan okay Mm -hmm. it'll probably i feel like it'll it'll earn more as much or more than infinity war personally i feel like those numbers are a little little like uh underestimating how popular these films are because 
like they these these estimates need to keep in mind the fact that I was waiting in a digital queue on Fandango for several hours to get my tickets uh, for for opening night. I mean, yeah, the fact that they were still showing new seatings at 2 a.m. I think is a testament. They don't do that for just any movie. In Muncie, too. Muncie. And they were full. Yeah. So it's not like no one's, everyone's seeing these movies. Yeah, th- this, this is a massive film. And I'm not just talking about the fact that it's three hours and a minute long. And a minute. <laughs> it's really important. But we're going to talk about Endgame a little more in depth. So to, up to this point, I, spoilers really haven't been an issue. But it is now. So if you haven't seen it, get out. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean we're kind of ducked in the spoilers already. So well, I, But I why? mean, like, actually, like... Yeah, why did you click in the first place yeah, on what's, what's a Marvel on? Endgame podcast? Yeah, I bet Thanos will be on the thumbnail, and he'll like look really angry about something. And now that has to be the thumbnail, or I look like an idiot. Yeah, no, um, we're gonna specifically... please just make it Captain Marvel and Captain America. Don't let Thanos anywhere near this. <laughs> oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with my overall thoughts. Like again. Outsider, not really big on Marvel. This this is a good movie. It is it is a good movie. I'm not here to say like it's bad. Did it impact me? No. Uh, but I like it is beautiful. These movies are so well constructed visually. I hope one day I can work on a set like this. Like the shots are really well done. Sadly, we saw it in 3D, so like my glasses were blurred <laughs> beside. So uh, that was fun. Um, there's a lot of nice tracking shots. Those are always great to look at. My big problem with this movie is just characters i don't really they going in everyone's like who's gonna die are you really gonna tell me you didn't know instantly that tony stark was a goner like his contract's up chris evans's contract is up (laughs) y'all are we've we've expected them to die at some point or at least get written off. And I'm not even saying, like, you can't feel impacted by a character you like dying. But, like, to to pretend that it's some sort of, like, big twist surprise is really disingenuous. Because the moment he's like, well, I got out lucky. And, like, I'm going to let you know, like, I have to do what's right for my family. Dead. Gone. It's gone. gone. I've been waiting for Iron Man to die since <laughs> the first Avengers movie when he returned that bomb through the portal. In outer space. That's all I wanted. I was like, wow, this would be a great, impactful opportunity to get rid of a beloved character and actually have some real purchase with the audience. We're a little late on that. It's okay, because no one's ever really gone from a major franchise. And Well, here's my problem with like superhero movies as a whole. And I was, I was sitting in the theater during this movie, and I was trying to go, like, why do movies like Lord of the Rings really impact me when something like this doesn't? And I'm not saying like the fantasy genre is better than superheroes. That's not what I'm saying. I personally like fantasy more. I'm not saying that it's better or whatever, so don't come at me. But I think the difference for me is that, like, there, it feels like there are absolutely no stakes in these movies. And for me, that's really hard to get around. Like, you know someone's going to die, but it's not like... it. They get rid of the least controversial characters as possible. Like, they've set up Tony Stark to die. Like, they've prepared you for it. It makes sense. Scar- Scarlett Johansson, no one cares. <laughs> like, no one cares about Not it. even Marvel. And <laughs> the worst part of that scene is that they set it up so that neither someone has to die and they're both trying like no one has to be at fault for this there's no ambiguity everyone gets to come out with their hands perfectly clean there's no character complexity it's no one's fault it's just so sad somebody has to die by accident 
really. I thought it would have been more compelling if, like, I mean, sure, that scene was kind of neat where they were, like, competing to jump off the cliff. Uh, I thought it would have been more compelling if, like, if, like, Black Widow is giving this, like, emotional speech about how she should be the one to die and Hawkeye just, like, (laughs) Spartan kicks her into the, (laughs) off the cliff. Because he's a ruthless killer. That's what I was looking for. That's exactly the kind of like, stuff that I want. Because like he's he's devoted his life to like living for his family, and if he can get he has an opportunity to give his family back, wouldn't he be more compelled to do that? Because he knows that Natasha has no one. They can't be evil in any real sense of the word. Yeah, I yeah. Even though you know Hawkeye Hawkeye is like going around having samurai can duels we talk in Tokyo. About how it turned into an anime for five minutes. That was that was funny. He was like Shinde. <laughs> I was like stop it. <laughs> I actually love that scene. Oh, that scene was amazing, especially because I could understand it without subtitles. Right? I was so excited. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. We're weebs. I'm sorry. I I, I could only understand when he told him to die. It was fun. But I, I, even that scene, like, there was just so much action, like, the glass breaking. And that's what I come here for. I come here for the mindless action. So for me, in game, like, where they try to give some development, I'm like, but they're still really shallow, in my opinion. It, I even like the comic versions of these characters a lot more. And I just feel like it's really odd to, like, it feels like we had three hours, but no one, I didn't really learn anything about these people. But I, that's just my opinion. I mean, Marvel writers struggle to get basic character development done in solo movies. Like, looking at you, Thor 1. <laughs> we needed to really develop the relationship that vanished in Thor 3. We re- <laughs> Natalie Portman is key to the Marvel Universe. That's why she's an Endgame. I was so terrified when when they were like, oh, yeah, uh, Jane Foster has the reality stone within her. I was in my seat clutching my head like, no, not the dark world. <laughs> no, I can't go back. <laughs> oh, that peaked the audio, I bet. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's what we do here at Bite. That's all I do. <laughs> and then they go back to Thor the Dark World, and I, I have, like, nightmares. <laughs> You know, we really didn't get anything from Thor. Like, they were trying to be like, he's so washed up and sad. He's got some mommy issues. Yeah, he's he's guilt he's guilt ridden. He has survivor's guilt, and then him being fat doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's just like a joke. It's just a joke. Like they just use it as like, yeah, he's playing Fortnite. Yeah, and I have to say that that fat CGI on Thor looked. Terrible! <laughs> it looked awful. As a as a resident big person, I'll just say that's not how it looks, my friends. What was it they called him? They called him like melted ice cream or something. Melted ice cream. Yeah. yeah. It it looked so fake. Like we have realistic looking bodysuits. You don't need the CGI fat. Didn't you know prosthetics are dead? Right. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah, I I did see the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> Yeah. I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I, uh, something that I, I feel bad because, like, in the, at the end, I, I do feel like this is a good movie. Like, especially for Marvel fans, you'll love it. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but, like, God, the dialogue. I just, every Marvel movie, what my, my, like, my, preconceived stereotype is like the cheesy dialogue and when when Thanos is like I am the the, I am inevitable and and, and, (laughs) he goes to Iron Man he's like and I am Iron Man (laughs) 
and, I, I, and I am Iron Man. I literally started snorting. Like, yeah, I was. La- I I laughed so many at so many things I shouldn't have been laughing at, like the scene where they're like that Hawkeye scene. I was laughing there, and <laughs> the guy and. You know, I was I went there with uh, the bite at the movies crew, and then uh, reviews member had showed up there with me, and he looked over at me and he looked pissed. He was like, <laughs> what, "What are you? You're ruining the scene." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I didn't laugh at anything I was supposed to laugh at, but I laughed a lot at things that I wasn't supposed to. I just yeah. don't find the jokes funny, but I find a lot of the awkwardness really funny. Um, but that's just me. I don't find, I'm like, again, I'll go back to like my comparison between fantasy. My least favorite part of Lord of the Rings is anything that's stupidly like funny, like Pippin and Mary scenes where they try to joke around or like Legolas and Gimli, like, (laughs) I hate that stuff. So it's not just superheroes, but like, especially in superhero movies, it's like, I just stop being trying to be funny. Like, I can't take these scenes seriously at all when they're cracking jokes every two minutes and they're like, people might die. And then they do a one-liner. It's like, well, I don't think you care very much, bud. That's just me. And then, like, uh, because the check cleared, I'm going to be only positive about this movie from here on out. (laughs) Uh, Well... I, you can it can be argued that the sort of like cheesiness is just sort of like it's Marvel brand, you know. Oh well, yeah, that's like what it, I mean. it's it's to be expected. Like, and you know, some people really enjoy the cheese of it. The cheesier it is for me, the better it is. Oh no, like, and that's what I'm saying. I, I love me some Gouda. It's a staple of the genre, but that's not a staple I enjoy. Yeah. So I, like, I don't, I mean that with like, if that is your thing, great. But for me, it's hard to take like the stakes or anything seriously. If there's like nobody taking it seriously, yeah, like like Thanos being a drama queen, my favorite thing. I can relate to him <laughs> okay, so but hard. I love Thanos. Like everything about Thanos, I'm for. Thanos is the best written character in the entirety of the MCU. Yeah, but all the characters are well written because this is a fantastic film, and I highly recommend it. That you spend all of your money for Disney Corporation. I yes. <laughs> I wanted to mention two. Okay, they go hand in hand. So. Captain Marvel in this movie is does nothing. It, okay, but yeah, she does, she does nothing. nothing. But then she see like I have some questions. Like we saw, she could apparently be doing a lot. Yeah, like she comes in with a huge bang during the final fight, like, she, and then she just kind of flies around. What was she doing? a little bit with Thanos, I like engaging him directly at the beginning. She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna peace out for a while," and I'm like, "Why is no one saying like, no, no, no?" <laughs> like, well. Well, her defense to that in the movie is that, of course, you know she's the only defender of the galaxy. Uh-huh. Ignore Nebula and Rocket. Uh, she's the only person who, as part of the Avengers, who can monitor what's going on outside of Earth. Uh, which you know, put someone on some put someone else on a spaceship, they can go <laughs> out too. Like in terms of going back in time to get the infinity stones why wouldn't you send your most capable fighter yeah yeah as soon as paul rudd peed his pants why didn't they send out an immediate message to captain <laughs> marvel being like please come back now help and in the same vein the scene that i thought was just the worst thing ever written was when suddenly like all of the female avengers <laughs> 
and you know the literal ride of the Valkyrie. They're literally they're like she's not going alone, and it's like a shot from like a low angle, and they're all the women are standing heroically, like somebody blew a kazoo to signal them all to yeah. come. And, like, and you can and you can see all the white male directors behind the camera, patting like themselves. patting themselves on the back, like we're so progressive, guys. Look at all the female characters. I hate Ignore that. the fact that they're all side characters except for Captain Marvel. I just hate. <laughs> And even that. then, she's a side character. I was, I actually saw people on Twitter, like, non-jokingly be like, this was the most empowering thing. And I'm like, no! What is wrong? This is why we can't get anywhere. It's because you take this, and it's just like, they're, okay, we can have, we've seen, like, strong females. Why can't we just show them being strong females? Literal arguments being made are like, well, there were a lot of little girls in my theater that, like, started clapping and cheering right now. And it's like, what do you think would happen if we actually treated them like real characters and gave them actually important parts in this? Yeah, the only reason this is so significant is because nothing else has happened. <laughs> you can't just, like, deny all of these characters for so long and then give them one moment that lasts maybe two minutes, t- sorry, that lasts maybe two minutes tops, and then you'll be like, this is so empowering. This is such a beautiful moment. All the critics, you can't judge this movie now, because look at the scene. Also, that guy offhandedly says that he he's going on a gay date. We have queer representation, guys. <laughs> look how great this is. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Just like like you said, Tanner, like they're definitely sitting there like like giving themselves coffees and like, man, we did it. We've beaten sexism. Yeah, it's the blizzard problem that I, <laughs> we talked about yesterday. It all goes back to blizzard. <laughs> yes. I, I think it's really odd because this movie, I couldn't decide if they wanted to frame Captain America or Iron Man as like the big like good uh it's mostly iron man because like he died and all that but captain america had like the weird scene at the end where i'm still not where where he went back in time and decided to live out his life as an elderly person so he had no consequences yeah and is it i and that that like like for the most part they handled time travel decently yeah throughout the film except for the whole captain america sequence because wouldn't that be a whole different timeline yeah then then how did he come back like how did how would because he appeared like how did he sneak past him yeah where he they they didn't show him coming back he just like show he's just like there on a bench as an old person how did he get there i'm also confused why he even came back if he lived his entire like life over in like the other place why would he even come back why not just send a package like, UPS has probably rebuilt itself in the five years since the Thanos yeah, and, War. And, like, uh, and and maybe, you know, maybe, like, when they were explaining the time stream earlier in the movie, they were like, you can go back to certain points and not interrupt the future. Are you sure about that? Are you sure that's true? Or are you just making things up to justify your plot holes? I didn't I feel like if we had Captain America during, you know, after World War II, just, like, as a person, a lot like, of... Doesn't that kind of interfere with the whole ethos of being a superhero and like helping the common good if you don't change any of the future when you go back yeah. into the past yeah wouldn't they be a little surprised like because and what happens when the real captain america is unthawed like what happens then does he just not get thawed does he kill him does he, yeah now we have to what are the consequences so this is what happened when you when you mess around with time travel yeah and then there was also like when they showed like that little montage at the end and Peter Parker goes back to school. Excuse me, five years have passed and you're telling me that that Ned kid is still in high school? <laughs> you're telling me Peter Parker's still in high school? You're joking with me. 
Yeah. It's like we were about to see some like college aged adults walking around in that school. And then like, who survived their freshman year and are now like 19, 20 years old, still going back to high school. Yeah. Like, what, what is what this, is Power Rangers? <laughs> Another thing that kind of confused me, and there might be a really like easy answer that just went way over my head. You know, when they were like kind of messing around in the past and Loki ends up getting away, I kind of want to know, like... What is, the, what is the effect of that on the time stream? See, I'm not crazy. I was telling you, Jeremy well, about this. <laughs> my question is, does that then create a... Is that a different time stream now that it they've created... It, I, like, wouldn't it have to? Is be? that where is that where the next phase of Marvel movies is going to be in that alternate universe? Are we going to get a Loki TV show? Oh no! <laughs> about this alternate. No. <laughs> but I was really confused because when that happened, I was like, "Oh no, he's going to come back into play because they've messed it up." Like he got, you know what I mean? But they just implied like he poof bye. He's gone, but it's okay because that doesn't affect the future. Because apparently, changing the past does not change the future. That no, it this... changes the other past's future, not the past that they came from's future, which is their present. That's stupid. Yeah, I think that's that's stupid. that's a, that's 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 a wreck. That's like that's not how this works. <laughs> or maybe it is how it works. I Do just, we know? We're not really physicists. I'm not a quant. I am not a quantum physics expert. However, I did play the entirety of Final Fantasy 13 too, where they kept trying to tell me that changing the future changed the past. So I've seen all the weird things you can attempt to do with time. Changing the future does not change the past. That's not how time works. I love that our authority now is Kingdom of is Final, Final Fantasy. Fantasy. Not Kingdom. Well, of- actually, if you go from uh, like how the ancient Greeks viewed time, where it wasn't cause and effect, where the cause pushes something to an effect, but that the eventual effect, the fate, the destiny is what compels everything before it to come to that conclusion. This hurts if my head. If you change the future, if you change what fate is supposed to be, then you could change the past that leads up to it, potentially. Oh, it, you see, that makes actually kind of makes sense, except they never explain it that way. If, <laughs> if they had set some actual rules for time travel, I think we'd be a little more accepting of it. And they set a few. And they, 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 they attempt to when they're like, when Paul Rudd it makes like a bunch of movie references because that's his character trait. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call that setting the rules. <laughs> yeah, he, he's Except like... he just brings them up and then Bruce Banner's just like... That's not how time what? works. Yeah, Bruce Banner and Nebula are both like, that's not how time works. Like, I was waiting for them to drop a line like, this isn't a movie. This isn't how time works. And then they all look at the camera and you hear a laugh track and the Seinfeld theme plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to start wrapping up. So I'm going to start asking you some of the bigger questions. Now that the Avengers, you know, endgame just happened, what what do we think is going to happen with like the whole superhero thing? Are we going to focus on like X-Men or like what's going to happen from here? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Do you have an answer, Jeremy? I'm going to yep, think about it. We're going to get the same exact thing we've been getting. We're going to get a smorgasbord of individualized movies around individual characters. Some of them are going to be decent. Some of them might even be okay. A lot of them are going to be really bad. Then we're going to get a couple of ensemble pieces. We're going to introduce some new things, probably the Inhumans. Right, the Inhumans have already had their TV show. Well, that goes. They to have show. That, that show is terrible, by the way. It's awful. It is horrible, and it's probably the reason why they bought the X Men was because they, the Inhumans, were essentially designed to replace the X Men in the in the uh, theory that they don't get the X Men rights back for films. But nobody likes the Inhumans. There's a character that's a door. <laughs> Really? Yeah, there is. There's a character, and his superpower is he's a travel gate. That is his power. 
He is a door. That's the way. So he's a port key. He's a port key. It's no, not even that. He's a physical gate. <laughs> that that is one of the Inhumans characters, and I swear I'm not making this up because I did research on the Inhumans wiki. <laughs> I swear he's a real character. So yeah, no one likes the Inhumans. No I want one. that to be our movie. The next movie, Gateman, Gate Dork Dorkun. <laughs> Gateman, keeper of the door. <laughs> the gatekeeper? Oh, no, that could be real. <laughs> Don't even. Um, oh, no. Uh, yeah, what, about, what? anything else to say, Jeremy, or is that it? Uh, um, people are going to overhype Guardians 3 because James Gunn is back, and it's probably just going to be okay. It's going to be worse than the second one. The second one was terrible. What a waste of Kurt Russell. Uh, eventually, Marvel movies will literally be the only movies releasing in theaters. Thank God. Uh, there will be no other studios. From The profits from these movies will allow Disney to just buy every other movie studio. Yeah, we're heading towards that monopoly. And that really is what Thanos' plan was. Disney's Thanos? Yes. I knew it. That's why, that's why Thanos is such a well-written character, because they're writing from experience. <laughs> they snap their fingers and all the other movie companies disappear. And like half, half of the uh, original properties just vanish. I That's what happened it. when they bought Fox. They just snapped and all their projects. Fro- Fox Searchlight, gone. We'll Disney. never get a we'll never get another movie about Ellen Page rollerblading. And really, is this a timeline I want to be a part of? No. Uh I'd say for for how I see the future for Marvel, and I actually did, you know, I talked about this with, with my friends, and I was like, they're gonna they're gonna make they're gonna bring the X-Men in, giving a real answer. Uh, that isn't cynical to where the story might go. It'll probably move to Galacticus because they now have the rights to that character yeah. because he's looped in with the uh, the Fantastic Four. Uh, alternatively, they do Civil War Two with the X-Men this time, uh, which will just kind of be like small potatoes compared to the Infinity War, which is why I'm thinking they're going to go to Galactics. Yeah, now that they've got a more... Now that they've got Captain Marvel and that, you know interplanetary focus. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see and somehow Black Widow is going to come back. She has a movie slated. We are Far From Home's already coming out in July, you know. They really should have released her movie before killing her off. Yeah, now now is it going to be like a like a prequel piece that doesn't matter cuz she dies anyways? Yeah, like, or are we going to go into another timeline, which is what they established with Loki disappearing, that's what breaks off the timeline. Now we have a new timeline. Maybe that's where Galactus is, maybe that's where the real civil war happens with the X-Men. Maybe the Inhumans don't exist. Thank God. Uh or may- maybe the Inhumans are the only ones who exist. <laughs> you know, hopefully. Maybe Iron Fist is canon again. <laughs> well, we need to get to closing thoughts. So, Tanner, what's your closing thought on this film? Should people go see it? Is it good? Uh, man. Well, the check cleared, so I recommend highly seeing Disney Marvel's Avengers Endgame. It is a stunning piece of technology featuring all of your favorite characters all together on the big screen once again. And the emotions that go that go through your body are a roller coaster that you can't miss. You need to see this in theaters at least seven times. <laughs> nah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I mean, I for anyone who hasn't seen it already, who hasn't already reserved their tickets, uh, I'd recommend taking this in like I took in uh, the first Infinity War, uh, which is just wait for it to get to a streaming platform, get halfway through it, take a long break, then come back to it. 
Wow. Hmm. Glowing endorsement right there. Yeah. Um, I guess from my perspective, again, as an outsider, I think this is an overall good movie, and it's definitely for Marvel fans. And if you're a Marvel fan, I think you're really going to enjoy it, and I think that's great. Um, what I don't appreciate is people pretending that these characters are really fleshed out. Uh, I don't think they are. Uh, I think the weakest part of this film is the script writing um, in terms of character and uh, plot <laughs> and narrative. But that doesn't mean it's a bad film. It is a fun film. It sets out what it accomplishes to do, which is just simply to entertain. Uh, there you go. That's my thought. You should probably go see it. Um, it is technologically incredible. So if you're into filmmaking, go check it out. You'll, you'll be impressed. But that's just that's just a game theory. Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no Are we going to get copyright? Save that for input, too. A film theory. This is a film theory. <laughs> a <laughs> film theory. All right. Which are even worse than the game theories. Mm. How did this turn into a hippie? Anyway, I am your host, tight. Emily Rubin, and this is my last input, too. And I had with me today... Tanner Kenny. And... Jeremy Rogers. Thank you so much for listening this entire semester and dealing with me loving horror movies. I like horror movies. I'm so sorry. But thank you all so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. But you can keep listening and watching Byte content at ByteBSU.com on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You know what? We got a Snapchat. Why don't you check us out on Snapchat? And, you know, our videos are pretty great on YouTube as well. And we have some other really great podcasts to listen to, like how it's played and, you know... The other ones. The other <laughs> Pop tabs. Pop, Pop tabs, tabs, which is our video YouTube. podcast. <laughs> we have stuff to listen to. And shameless plug, sometimes I write stuff at looper.com. I'm not going to write about Endgame. I'll let you know that right now because right. I don't care that much. So <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for listening. Check out all Byte stuff. And I won't see you here at Byte BSU, but I love you anyway.